You are listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. This episode features Craig Growth of The Interpreters and is a part of the Dream Conference held at The River. <laughs> Good morning. Nice to see some people up from Willis, and we got the whole clan, and uh, I'm from St. Cloud, of course, and Curtis was my pastor. Curtis was many of your pastors and the current pastor. Now, that's so that's an unusual thing. We've isn't that quite amazing? churches represented here. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. <laughs> we love the man. We love joy. We love the family and the message, don't we? Amen. It's really, it sets us free. Uh, dreams can set us free, too. You know, it's part of the, the work of the Spirit, and the Spirit gives life. Amen. So we're going to uh, talk about that. We talked about uh, a couple of Bible verses I'll start you out with. Numbers 12, verse 6. I mentioned this last night. Then he said, and by the way, you can find this, I believe, at the beginning of page 2 on your curriculum. You see number 12, verse 6, or is it the beginning of page 3, actually? Yeah, top, top of page 2. All right, good. Uh, then he said, hear, my, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. And what I mentioned last night was that was an Old Testament. Uh, the Lord spoke through the prophets, virtually exclusively, okay? That they were the ears of Israel. And it says, I speak to them through the prophets, and I say this, is that in the New Covenant, we have the prophet now in us, and that's Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And he will speak to us those things, because Jesus said, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to tell you the truth. He won't speak, uh, but only the things he hears and sees, and he'll tell you things to come. And if we don't, aren't hearing things to come, then maybe something's wrong with us paying attention. Amen? Yep. So then we need to find out how he does speak to us. And we talked last night about uh, the verse on, he's going to proud his spirit on all flesh. He loves everyone. And to him who has ears to hear, they're going to hear. Why are psychics finding our, all the missing persons? Because you know what? They also hear from mess, uh, words from God. They hear in the spirit. What I say about psychics and stuff, I used to really have a bad feeling about them, and I really used to think they were really evil people. And here they are, just people, unredeemed people, who happen to hear things in the invisible, and they accept that. And they believe that there's something to it, but they don't have discernment of whether it's God or not God. Does that make sense? So I've talked to a psychic woman at length about before she was saved, and she was into dreams and all this stuff. She said, we just do what we hear. We just did what we heard. We, and many think it's all God. You know, if it's a good psychic, and they say, well, it's all, God speaks to us. Well, many times it isn't God. But the neat part, it says in John 10, the parable of the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice, and another voice they will not listen to. Now, we have to know that in truth. And ma many times when I talk about, be, you know, hearing from God, people say, how do you know if it's God? How do you know if it's the devil? How do you know if it's me? And I think about that and I go, isn't that interesting? We haven't even sat down and really thought about, well, let's at least take care of ourselves. If I'm driving to work one day, I get up in the morning, I'm driving to work, and I'm thinking about the work day ahead. I've got a meeting at 9 o'clock, you know, we've got lunch with Bill at, uh, at noon and so forth, and when I get done, the kids are at basketball, and I'm gonna, we're going to go see that. And I'm going through my day, and all of a sudden as I'm driving, boom! Got, uh, a thought comes into my head and invades my train of thought and I'm thinking about um, this person that I met a year ago at, and uh, da 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 and I'm going, huh, that's weird, why would I think of that person? Now, the question is this, is that your thought? That had nothing to do with my day. 
that had nothing to do with my train of thought. Yet we don't even distinguish that. We just think, well, random, you know? No, maybe God is speaking to us. And you say, well, it could be the devil. Listen, why don't we believe when Jesus said, no, my sheep hear my voice? Why don't we at least say, God, okay, I'm going to trust that that voice that I hear is your voice. Because that's the voice that God puts in our, you know, in our hearts, the Holy Spirit. So if we believe that and just start, if you will, experimenting with that, call that person up, pray for that person, or based on what you saw in that quick, you know, maybe you just heard the name or whatever that picture was that you got, why don't you kind of walk that out a little bit? Pray for that person, okay? Stop everything you're doing or thinking. That may be a God thought, okay? So we need to start dividing that and finding out. Now, the, the neatest part, of, I think, about dreams and visions is that you can't control these things. This is not your thoughts when you, when you get that significant dream because God gives dreams, okay? It's objective. It's out, something outside of yourself. Yes, we do have what you can call soulish dreams, dreams of our own soul. We'll talk about that, but you can distinguish those too. There's ways to distinguish that. And many times you, uh, if you go to a baseball game uh, all night long or all day long and you come home at 9 o'clock, you go to bed and you dream about baseball, don't you? You know, garbage in, garbage out, or, you know, if you lost, it was garbage. <laughs> but, uh, so, can you hear me? Are, am I on on the mic? Is that on? Okay. At least being recorded? Good. All right. So, anyway, um, the, the idea is that, listen, you need to say, I hear God's voice. And you do hear from God. Otherwise, how did you get saved? But let's keep it going. All right. Trust that God is going to speak to you. And I tell you this, when we're talking about dreams, visions today, you guys are going to do an interpretation with some of the things I'm going to show you. We're, we're going to need your help because we are the body. And I want you to do this. Pay attention to the first thing that drops into your mind when you're listening to some of the things we're talking about here with dreams. That first thing that comes in, because you know what? God wants to be first. And no, I found out this. I found out he's, he's the one who comes with that first thought. And those things are things we need to throw out on the table and find out. And as you practice this stuff, you will learn more and more how to, you know, how to find God, God's voice in the mix of all that stuff, okay? So anyway, another verse, uh, uh, by the way, it says, Hear my, now my words, if there is a prophet among you. These are God's words. Now we say, okay, we have God's word. We don't need any other word. We have God's word. No, this is his written word, okay? This is the written word. God speaks through his spirit also. These are the verily the words of God. Okay? Matter of fact, he says in, in, in the New Covenant, after the cross, he said, now I'm going to put my law in your heart. Right? My law is in your heart. This is his word, his dictates, the things that will bring life and salvation to us. We need to listen to those words. You know, the Bible didn't tell my family three times leading up to nine, September 11th. The Bible didn't tell me September 11th was coming in a few days. The Holy Spirit did through dreams and visions, okay? Actually, one was an angelic visitation. We'll talk about that tonight, too, or today. So we need to hear his voice. We can hear his voice, and we do hear his voice. Uh, so my wife told someone 12 years ago uh, when she managed, she said, yeah, I don't hear from God. Craig does. This is before we, things started changing for us. My wife hears from God very much now. She knows things of the future. My wife, one day I woke up uh, in the morning, I was reading my newspaper a number of years ago, and I found out that a very dear friend of my wife's from uh, before we were married, uh, a very elderly woman, had passed away. She was probably in her 90s. 
Vicki hadn't seen her for maybe 12 years, but we knew she was in a rest home, and you know our lives had kind of separated and so forth. But uh, Vicki uh, just was very endeared to this woman, so I thought, well, I got to tell Vicki that Angie died when she wakes up. So Vicki wakes up, and we have our routine. She sits on a rock with her coffee. I sit there with my coffee, and the first thing we say in the morning, you know, good morning. Did you have a dream last night? That's what we do, you know. What did you hear last night? And I said, but I, I just broke in. I said, honey, looks like you're going to a funeral this week. She said, oh, Angie died? I said, yeah, how do you know? Just talked to her in my dream. She said goodbye. You know. Now, was it Angie? No, it wasn't Angie. It was a representation of, you know, in your dreams. If uh, I dreamt of Christopher last night. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. These kids. The, the, the <laughs> All right, I'm going to put that somewhere. Let's say, let's say I dreamt of my wife last night. Oh, wait, we're not going. I, my, no, anyway. If I dream about someone else, and if, if that next day I call that someone else, I'll say, hey, wasn't that fun talking to my dream last night? They personally weren't talking to me, were they? No, they, they said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's a representation of that person, you know, as being that person. But anyway, she said, yeah, I, I got to say goodbye to Angie because she hadn't seen her for 12 years. And she just said goodbye, Angie, and, and they made their peace and all this stuff. It was just a picture of God giving her knowledge that Angie died. Because in God, God has all the knowledge. He knows all truth. And he just let her know that Angie's died. And she had died just that previous night. Just really beautiful. So she told me that Angie died. <laughs> you know, I couldn't even tell her. But anyway, so we see that. Now, Jeremiah 23, 28 says, The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. So what do dreams consist of? His word. These are his words. You know, and the problem is we don't trust his words. We can trust in the words we read in the Bible, right? Because it's right there in black and white. But we don't trust in his words. Yet he says he's going to send us Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you all these things. He's going to tell you things to come. But are we really living and walking in that? And are we trusting that? For some reason, we think that, no, I, it's just not as secure as having that thing in black and white. And I'm telling you, it's more secure. The spirit of life, because it's, it's present, it's spontaneous, it's speaking about our future, which that word would be limited to tell us about, Right? It's things, and we are desperate to make right decisions in these days. And I mentioned last night, can you afford to make a wrong decision with a job? How about going into businesses at this time of, of, uh, of the economy, you know? And I'm telling you right now, it may be the very best time in all of eternity to go into business. Maybe this next week you should start a new business because the Holy Spirit has dictated that. The Holy Spirit has said that. And then you're going to, with your own flesh, say, no. People would tell me it's not the right time to. See what I'm saying? What is God saying? Like I said last night, it's not my armband wouldn't say, what did Jesus do? My armband says, what is Jesus doing? What is Jesus saying for the future? Not what did he say 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit will bring that into our remembrance. By the way, I mean, this is the witness of the Spirit. We need the Word. Don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not putting that down. I just want the Holy Spirit to have equal time. I want the Holy Spirit to stop sitting in the back seat of our churches. Amen. I want him to be right where he needs to be in our faith. So that's my aim. I want the Holy Spirit to be in you and in me, right where God destined it to be, in our hearts, okay? Living and working. All right, so we talk about dreams and dreamers in the Scripture. I mentioned last night, God speaks to everyone. He loves everyone. 
If he didn't love everyone, how did you get saved? Did he speak to you before you got saved? I think he did. Okay. He spoke to Abimelech in a dream. And many know that story. I'm not going to repeat it. We talked about it last night. Uh, Joseph, of course, big dreamer, the main dreamer in the Bible. Uh, Jacob had a dream of the ladder with the angels ascending. Butler and the bakers, remember the butler and baker dreams that Joseph interpreted. And uh, went on to Pharaoh. Uh, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh had dreams of, uh, that were speaking truth to him. Joseph uh, untangled them for him and told him what God was saying to this pagan king. All right? <clears throat> Daniel, of course, and King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, in the New Testament, Joseph had the dreams uh, the, uh, through the appearances of angels in dreams. And I want to tell you, you're, you do have angels in your dreams. You have angels even without dreams visiting you in the night. We're going to talk about that. But the point was, it was with angels in the dreams. So now you've always imagined that in this dream, Joseph sees this white thing with wings coming down and telling him, telling him in his native tongue what's going on, right? When maybe Joseph had to interpret a dream and maybe that angel did not look like an angel with wings. But matter of fact, angels with wings, I think those are seraph angels or something. They're just one class of angels. They're not all the ministering angels that we have available to us. And even Gabriel showed up to Daniel as a man in his dream. Many times you'll have a dream and you'll say, and people tell me, yeah, I'm there and I'm in this room and uh, there was a stranger standing next to me. Yeah. And that stranger and I walked away and the stranger took me and you know, we went, I went with that stranger, went over here and he showed me something over there or we were looking at something. Yeah, that's that ministering angel that's sent to show you something that God wants to reveal to you. Many times that stranger in your dream will represent an angel. And as you kind of say, could that be an angel? You can kind of see where, yes, that angel was relevant in showing me something or even the words that that stranger says. Many times you'll see an angel in your dream also as a foreign person, something that you recognize as being foreign because it is a foreign, it's a second heaven entity. So sometimes I'll have one with an oriental, even a black person, someone that's not like me. Because God, God wants to kind of separate that, you know, and show you that it's something a little foreign here that he's showing you that this person represents. So that we are having those things too in our dreams. Uh, I love the story of, at Bethlehem, Joseph, of course, uh, there he's sitting with Mary there. And uh, basically the, there's a few shepherds, you know, keeping, uh, tending their flocks by night. And they hear the voices from heaven. I mean, how can you avoid that? You think they're, they're going to say, yeah, you know what? We heard all those throngs of angels speaking to us, but you really want to go to Bethlehem? Nah, let's not. No, you know that they're going to go, right? <laughs> it's like the million dollar prize, right? They're going to go. So they went. There's uh, some other guys who showed up too, some three other buddies, right? The Magi. The Magi came from Persia. They were a pagan nation. They were not Jewish, you know? They weren't Jews. They weren't of the Old Covenant. They weren't under that law and all that type of thing. They came from far away. They saw the star. They come to the thing, come to the manger. And by the way, my biggest question is this. Where were the Jews at the birth of Jesus? I mean, we, all these beautiful stories, but it's like, where, 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 was the, where were the Jewish people? Do you know Jerusalem, was, I think I last read, was about six miles away? And no one shows up. Some pagans from Persia show up at the birth of Jesus? You know, these psychics, these astrologers from Persia, why? They heard, they saw. 
They had their eyes wide open, right? And they knew about the tradition and the culture and the prophecy about another king born to the Jewish nation. So when they saw it, boom, they went. Are you telling me the star wasn't visible to people in Jerusalem or the Jews everywhere else? Of course it was. All right, but they had ears to hear and they responded to that, okay? So here's the other thing. After that happened, Joseph had a dream to flee into Egypt and the Magi were given a dream, weren't they? They were divinely warned in a dream to go back another way to avoid trouble in Jerusalem from the, uh, the king, the pharaoh, or uh, whoever was residing at the time. Because they met him on the way in, right? Go and tell me what you find there, right? So they were warned. Pagan people. I thought God just spoke to Christians. You know, he speaks to everyone. He's calling everyone to himself. He came and he saved the world, and they just need, we just all need to believe on him to receive and reciprocate what he's provided for us. Amen? Uh, and then, by the way, the missing persons thing. Now, I mean, I've met with sheriffs. And when I uh, hear about missing persons in Minnesota, I have people, groups of people that I've had monthly uh, classes with after they went to the dream class. We've met monthly for years with uh, uh, people in different cities around the state of Minnesota, Wisconsin. And when uh, we have missing person situations, we get people on it, especially when it was in the town of one of the places where I had these meetings. And I met a sheriff, sitting down with the sheriff, telling him what we saw. Okay, I'll just tell you one story. We, um, I had a dream about this person that was missing, got lost in this forest up north of Duluth. And in these forests up north of Duluth, you can get lost. Come on, College kid. And I, uh, so we prayed in these groups. We wrote down everything we heard and saw, even as we sat for 10 minutes meditating. People just gave me the pictures they had, you know, visions they might have had, dreams. I had a dream then a few nights later. I kept this on my heart. Before I go to bed, I'd say, Lord God, please tell me about uh, James or whoever, whatever the person's name was. I forget his first name. Tell me, show me, please, Lord. I want to be part of this thing. We need to find this person. And um, I had a dream. I was crossing a creek, you know, out in the forest, crossing a creek on these big stones. And these stones started moving as I got to the other side. I turned back and looked, and they were um, turtles. They were coming out of hibernation, and uh, they were large, large turtles. Matter of fact, I said, these have to be the largest turtles in Minnesota. I woke up. I got on the Internet. I find, found out what the largest turtles were in the state of Minnesota. They were called landing turtles. Never heard of it. Found out they're only located in two places in the state of Minnesota. Lakwaparl is the name of the place on southwestern Minnesota and just north of Duluth, deep in the forest in Duluth, outside of Duluth, right where the man went in. I mean, that's where he was lost. Kind of ironic, isn't it? It's verily God showing me that. So I went up and met with the sheriff, and I said, you know, sheriff, may sound kind of crazy, but, uh, you know, I deal with people. We study our dreams and things, and we have some information for you. And I told him, <coughs> you may want to take a look and, and find you may there may be something in finding him by going to uh, there, I saw big turtles in a dream and they were the largest turtles in Minnesota and they were landing turtles and I find, found out they reside in that forest up there and he says I know they reside in, in, in the forest up there he said before I became sheriff I was a DNR officer I know where they nest and I know exactly where they live and I'm one of the only few people who know where they live because they're a protected species and he kind of lit up and he paid attention. He thanked me for that, okay? And I left. 
we're just the messengers. Sometimes I wish I had the, a better end of the story. I found out just uh, four years later, just a few months ago, that uh, they never did find them. But I told them, you may want to look for where those turtles are, okay? But we're just the messengers, you know? Many of the stories they tell today have these fantastic endings. Some I don't, may not have the ending yet. Maybe the ending turned was bad, but the point was many times you're just the messenger. When you're going to give an interpretation, that's, that's, you just do your thing. But he was profoundly interested in that. He said, you can come back anytime you want. You know that it said in Daniel's time that Dan, the wisdom and what Daniel had was 10 times better than what the, uh, the right. other magi magicians had? And they made Daniel, he made Daniel second in command over Babylon. Listen, he was in bondage, a place of bondage. Jew, the Jews were in a place of bondage. And Daniel, God's chosen, was made second in command in Babylon. So I want to tell you, with you thinking in America, things are getting bad or all this stuff, you may have some imaginations. I'm going to tell you, God will make distinction with his people. And he can raise us up to be second in command in the nation. Okay? There is no second place for God's people. And we live in the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom we're in, in the reign of Jesus. And he and the government is upon his shoulders. And in this place, all things are possible. Okay? <clears throat> you know what? I'm just going to go. Let's, let's interpret a vision here, okay? Let's start right out. Now, as I said before, I want you to think... The Holy Spirit's going to start dancing around here because the Holy Spirit says, I want to work and I want to train and I want to teach my people how to interpret, okay? So as we talk about these things, again, that let's just practice with that first thought you get. I want to hear the first thought that you get when I tell you certain things today or show you certain dreams, okay? And just raise your hand. There's no wrong answer, okay? And uh, I make a picture. Well, I'll tell you later about the picture, but... <laughs> As you can see, I'm not the best drawer, but I ask. Yeah. All right. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of Curtis, I asked Curtis this morning. I said, "What is this?" He said, "It's a woman with a." He said, "An armadillo." I said, "Yes, that's it. Perfect. This is a woman with an armadillo stuck in her back." Okay. I went, uh, I heard my, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, it, it, well, let me tell you the story, and I'll get it straight. I went, uh, I found out in St. Cloud, where I live, that someone came up to me, knowing, of course, that I've been into this for years, and they said, there's a man in this one church, actually, it's in a prophetic church, which, you know, believes somewhat in this stuff, and he, and he runs sound, and he constantly has visions, uh, he, he has all these visions. How many of you have a few more visions than dreams even? Or, uh, you know, or also have visions. He has these visions, and uh, he's had a few, he has a few when he's sitting up doing audio in the church service. And anyway, so um, uh, ironically, or not ironically, a few months later, there was a Christmas party. I went to it, and there this man was. And I met him in the kitchen. I said, yeah. Uh, it's been told to me, you have a lot of visions. Yeah, he said, I have so many visions, and I don't know what to do with them. And it, it's like, it's, it's just bothering you. <clears throat> you know why it's bothering him? Because he doesn't see the fruit of them. He doesn't have the interpretation of them. Doesn't know what to do with these visions he has, right? So he said, uh, I said, well, listen, why don't you just give me an example of one of the visions you have, or you've had? He said, 
that's easy. Sitting up in the booth uh, last Sunday, and uh, I'm watching as the people are leaving the church. A woman stands up, comes down the aisle. He says, and I looked, and verily, she had an armadillo sticking in her back as she's walking back to, to leave the church. He said, what is that? He said, what? I mean, that's crazy. You know, and you wonder why some of these people and, and yourself maybe even think, uh, am I crazy or what? Yeah, you, you're not going to tell anybody that. And by the way, you haven't. You and others have not told people all the years. There's people in the congregation of every church in this country who have not even told anyone the things, a lot of things they've seen. Certainly not the church. <laughs> because of fear, this is true, of fear of being looked at crazily. And if you do tell them, then they say, yeah, that's that spiritual woman and goofy stuff person. Now it is goofy if we don't have an interpretation, if it doesn't amount to something, if it doesn't help and edify the body and bring life, right? So he says, yeah, woman with an armadillo stuck, stuck in her back. So I'm asking you right now, when you hear me say a woman with an armadillo stuck in your back, we're looking for symbolically what this might mean. So when I say armadillo, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word armadillo? Hard Just shell. Hard shell. Roadkill. Poor, Road Poor eyesight. <laughs> All right. Now this is really interesting. You know why I'm not getting the you know why I'm not getting the number one answer that everyone else has given me over the years? You guys haven't come up with the number one answer that I get from everyone else. Texas. Everyone says, Texas. That's what I think of. You guys, it's natural to you, right? So that was interesting. Oh, not to you. Nothing's natural to you. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. So, and here's what I want to say. <clears throat> I do want to preface this by saying this. There is not just one interpretation of a dream. God has many layers of things he can say. How about a Bible verse? Ever read one Bible verse, come back a few years later, and you go, oh, my word, here's another door open for greater, deeper meaning of a Bible verse, right? Same thing with dreams, okay? It can be prominently speaking of one thing, but then God will take off the layers over time sometimes. Remember what it says about speaking in tongues? If someone speaks in a tongue, let two or three interpret. No, why don't you say, well, wait a minute. If someone speaks in the tongue, isn't there one thing God is saying? It says let two or three interpret. But you'll find that there could be two or three people interpreting a little bit differently. Kind of like when you see a car accident. You have some witnesses, they all have a different perspective of what they saw. You read the Gospels, four Gospels. Why four? Why not just one? They all had a different perspective based on who they were, the angle they had, the thoughts and <coughs> feelings of what they were as a person. <coughs> and they see things differently. So there is not a wrong interpretation of the Spirit, but there can be more than one, okay? So when you see these things, <clears throat> the best interpreter of a dream is the person who's hearing the dream for the dreamer, okay? Many times the best interpreter is you, but many times you can't see. You've got blinders because you're biased and you can't see the interpretation of your own dreams sometimes also. But anyway, so, <clears throat> based, uh, so I explained this to him. I said, look, based on if I was there, I'm going to give you an example if I was there and seen that, but I'm going to tell you right now, based on me being in the kitchen, you telling me, I'll tell you what I'm getting out of that. My mind, my spirit went right away to Armadillo. I mean, it went to Texas. I thought Texas. Hard shell, wrong answer? No, it's a right answer. 
It's whatever the Holy Spirit brings to you. And what you got today, you could almost, with the, as we interpret this thing, go back to this woman and you might be able to speak into her life based on what you heard. Do you see what I'm saying? It's all can be valid. Go ahead. I know the, the thing you shared with me a lot of times is that even though you have multiple interpretations, there's layers involved. Yep. Yep. You know, just like the, the Dallas thing with Brittany. Mm-hmm. You know, the different... Yep. My niece came to me, <laughs> all right, we're going to break away. My niece came to me one day in Minnesota and said, she's 20 years old, she's Craig. And she's one of these gals who are her, her and her parents, uh, it's my in-laws, of course, and um, she, they're a very tight-knit family. They don't ever want to see Brittany move out of state. Matter of fact, we want to see Brittany grow up and have kids right here in this town, right? <laughs> and she's house. In our house. <laughs> if they could, they would like that. All right, all right, God love them. And anyway, so they said, you know, Brittany came to me one day and she said, Craig, I've had dreams about Dallas and going to Dallas and being in Dallas and living in Dallas. And she says, uh, I got a feeling that, you know, what do you think, Craig? Well, you may want to consider, I'd be considered moving to Dallas. Well, yeah, I've had to. I've had these dreams of Dallas and they're repetitive. You ever have a repetitive dream? So I said, she said, but my parents would kill me. Well, who's going to kill you if you don't? <laughs> no, but no. But in the way, he's not going to kill you. By the way, we all get to make mistakes in the kingdom of God. All right. But she knew, and I said, it's up to what you believe, but she believed there was something significant about this. I said, you may want to consider praying about moving to Dallas, which she had already had. Well, here's the story. It ends up she does find an open door and a job and as a secretary for a pastor at a church in Dallas. She goes down there, falls in love with this young man, and gets married to this man. His, ma- his name is Dallas. <laughs> but she had to go to Dallas to find Dallas. Okay? So she says, I have these dreams that I'm going to Dallas. I'm living, with da- or living in Dallas. And now they're as one, right? Yeah, no matter where she is. Now she will always be living with Dallas. All right? See the two layers? It took her to go to physical Dallas to find her husband, Dallas. Isn't that cool? And this, it's beautiful. Do you know the confidence she had when she married a guy named Dallas that this was God by that time? I'm telling you, this is the stuff. This is the good stuff of God. All right? Now, oh, back to this. So, I got armadillo. Now, when you have a dream and anything in life, when Curtis is teaching you guys, you've got to ask questions. No. There is a principality, I believe there's a principality over the church in America and the worldwide. There are principalities that are trying to bring us and get us out of the truth, aren't there? There's a principality over the church for years that has said, don't ask questions. Don't question anything. Just listen to what that person up there says. Whoever comes to town and preaches, me today, just whatever he says has got to be true. He's listened to and he's heard 6,000 dreams. I'm not interested in you listening to me and believing everything I say. I do not want you to do that. I want you to, I want the Holy Spirit. I want it to go first to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will drop into you what is truth, okay? We need to get out of information, get into revelation, okay? So, why did I say that? Uh, anyway, so we, we, Texas, yes. So we want that revelation from God. So armadillo is stuck in her back. Now, oh, asking questions. So then I said to myself, as, as this man's sitting there, what does that mean? I went real quickly, why is it stuck in her back? You've got to ask that question. 
You, you've got to take this and ask every question you can. My next question is, why is it stuck in her back? Why might an armadillo be stuck in her back? It's her past. Could be, that's a, could be a very good answer. If something is behind you, it's in your past. If something's in front of you, it's in your future. This was in her back. Now, you don't just, anytime I talk about what is your back or what's, what's in your back and all this stuff, it doesn't mean 100% of the time that it's always going to be your past. Don't ever say, Craig says your back is your past. Okay? No. You listen to the Holy Spirit and see if it applies. But you think of why would it be in her back? And you wait for that to, to assimilate. So I got, could be an armadillo stuck in her past. It's uh, and it stuck in her back. Now, why is it in her back? Because something, an issue of the past that God's trying to reveal to this woman something about. Or that's, the, that's your condition. Then I ask, what would happen if I walked around with an armadillo stuck in my back for five years? And if I, let's, what would happen, maybe? What would that do to me physically? What may I have to do? I'd have to have it surgically removed, or I would probably have a backache, wouldn't I? I'd probably have a backache. It would develop a backache, chronic backache, real problems could develop. You just can't go walking around with an armadillo stuck in your back all, the, all day long. Okay? And after years, it would, it would wear away, and it would really become a problem. Based on that, go ahead, please. I see things kind of odd sometimes. Yep. But to me, that looks like a bride. And it's a hard shell bride. Mm -hmm. And what I'm sensing is that is the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Has a hard shell, and it's going to take extra effort to break the shell. Did you hear most of that? Yeah. He took the shell thing, he took her, the woman, as the body of Christ, because the body of Christ is female. Don't ever call the body of Christ. If you ever see a male, God's not talking about the church, the body of Christ, the bride. He'll use females in your life. By the way, your wife in your dreams could be the church, the body of Christ. Your former husband, who's, who's your former husband spiritually? If, I mean, if you had two husbands, or, you know, got married, got divorced, had another husband, who would your former husband be spiritually? Who's your husband? Your husband is the groom, the bridegroom, Jesus. Who is the person you served before you came to Jesus? Satan. <laughs> Satan. No, spiritually. 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 Yeah. Spiritually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Doesn't matter what your relationship is with this, this, this former husband, but the point is, the point is a former, a former husband could be Satan. Okay. You're, if you see your father in your dreams, you say, well, he died years ago. Why did I see my father? Well, dead or alive, your father, earthly father in your dreams could represent your heavenly father in your dreams, symbolically. Okay? So, listen, what he just said, he just had a word of the Lord. Many times, through dreams and their interpretations, many times when I'm given an interpretation, I'll just go right into a word of the Lord for the person. All right? Prophecy. Go ahead. Well, right when he said that, and that, that's one thing I, I love about working with Frank is he'll say something that sparks something to me. When he said that as the woman or the bride, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I asked the question, well, is that an armadillo that's changing into a bride? So mm -hmm. that's the way the church used to be. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Metamorphosing into a yeah. real person. Right. The backbone. Yeah, the strength of the church. Yeah. Okay. So you see what's happening already. He goes, no, Craig, I got a different take on that. And I go, yeah, have at it. Have at it. By the way, he may not even have to give that one to the woman, that interpretation of the woman. He is getting a picture of what is the Spirit saying to the church. That's right. Revelations. Because God speaks individually, corporately, right? And so he's thinking corporately on this. And, and from what I know, the little I know about him, but what I've heard from him, this man likes corporate things. I mean, you know, God probably speaks to him quite a bit corporately about things. But he'll speak to you about corporate things too. And you go, why would he tell me about the church? Because he wants his people to know about what the Spirit is saying to the churches, the body of Christ. Okay? So very good. He's not discounted because I'm thinking armadillo and I'm thinking the past and all this stuff individually. It's equally true. Layers and layers. Okay? So, I just said, this is just me. Armadillo stuck in your back. I'm thinking Texas. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit said, let's go a little bit further here, Craig. Where in Texas are you thinking? If there was a city in Texas, Amarillo, very good, okay? The Holy Spirit told me, I, 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 what came to me was Amarillo, Texas. Why? Play on words. Amarillo, Armadillo, Armadillo, Amarillo. From us up in Minnesota, we look down there, there's Texas, and Amarillo, Texas. Now I have knowledge of a city and a state that has something in her past. Now, if an armadillo was stuck in your back, you would call that, uh, you'd go to the doctor and you'd say, well, that's a bad bruise, wound, right? Could be a wound. So I got, it's a wound. She's wounded in her, from, from her past. It's a wound in her back. If they pull that thing out, uh, if you pull out a bullet out of a person, they got a wound. Pull an armadillo out of a person's back, there's a wound. So she's been wounded, Craig. Even from Amarillo, Texas. Well, what would then possibly be in Amarillo, Texas? In her past. Former husband. Former, that former husband. I wasn't going to say that. I mean, listen, you don't have to go too far. There was... There's obviously some relations of some sort that she had in Amarillo, Texas. Could be a sister who now lives there. Could be family member. Could be a former husband. Could be her husband. Could be many different things, but it's people <laughs> that tend to wound, right? So anyway, so she's got, I said that she's got relatives in Amarillo, Texas, or at least Texas, I know. That Amarillo one, wow, that's a leap. But listen, if you dare to say Amarillo, you go up the ladder a little higher and being a high-level interpretation because it's like you even gave the city, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Texas alone is probably enough. But anyway, so um, has that in her back? So I said, so I conclude, I said, look, here's what I would say. If I was there, the Holy Spirit might have told me this. She's got a wound in her back uh, from someone in Texas, and I may even say Amarillo, Texas, based on while I'm there, what I'm feeling in the Lord, the confidence, the trust I have in that. And I said, and I would say this, by the way, I would ask her, I would tell her also this, you have a chronic back pain, and I can tell you exactly where you have a back pain, right there. And I know, from experience, from 6,000 dreams, I know, she would say, yes, I do. She'd be crying by this time, by the way. 
and I'd say, God's here today to heal. By the way, you have relatives in your past or, that are in Texas, Amarillo, Texas, and you've been wounded by them. And, and God may even tell me what relatives. He may even show you a picture of who it is. You may just, I can't get this mother out of my mind. I can't get this other, you know, a sister possibly out of my mind. And you're wounded by these people in Texas, and God's here right now to heal your back physically and heal you spiritually and deliver you because it's time to be healed. And can I lay my hand right on your back and pray for you? And you could stand there and minister to her, and I'm telling you, she'd be weeping so hard right now, and I'm telling you, it would be true. It'd be the Holy Spirit. The, the guy looked at me and said, that is unbelievable. I don't know this woman well, but I do know one thing, Craig. She does have relatives in Texas, he told me. I don't know what he did with it. I don't think he ever told her. I never talked to him again for years. I happened to see him again. I got permission to use the vision. But uh, other than that, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I'm quite sure he never even told her. You know, kind of beyond the fact or past or whatever. But personally, me, if that would have been me, I don't care what day it would have been. I, I, I would be obligated to go tell her. Go ahead, Michelle. Very nice. Yep. Anyways, well, it started out soft, but throughout the years it got harder. Mm, very nice. Okay. And then she had back pain. However, my mom is from Amarillo. She has relatives there, and she has chronic back pain. And so I'm has she been wounded by relatives in the past, possibly? Yes. Okay. I want to so tell you. Yeah. Call, little callous maybe and whatever. I want to tell you something about that. Now, isn't that something? Right here, did the Holy Spirit know this was going to happen today? She was going to come up all the way from Willis, and isn't this kind of, um, kind of incredible? It happens to me where I go in other dream classes. Okay, so I told him that's what I tell her. Yes, she does have relatives in Texas that he knew of, right? So I go down to Illinois to do a dream class one day. I'm telling this dream. Finally, after the dream, I said, well, it's time for lunch. We're going to break. Okay, let's go break. We'll meet you back here at 1.30. Took off, and we ate in the same complex. While I'm eating with, you know, some of the hosts uh, and the people who brought me to the meeting and stuff, there's a woman across there uh, who's staring at me while I'm eating. I'm going, ooh, and I was getting a little uncomfortable, and I, and I kind of kept looking. I looked back, and she's still staring at me, and I go, Wow. And finally, finally, I told the table, because I wanted to be a little protected here. You know, I didn't know what's going on here. And I said, uh, um, there's a woman over there staring at me. And she said, oh, 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 okay. Yeah, we know the woman and stuff. I mean, okay. But, okay. Anyway, so a little uncomfortable. I get up. They had me go first so I could get, be, be done, go up and prepare for the afternoon session. I, all alone, <laughs> bad move. I go back down the hallway, turn, go into the room. Uh, to go get back to prepare for the afternoon session. And I turn around, and there's this woman, and it's that woman <laughs> who's like right on top. And I go, oh, yeah, what's up? She said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah. She said, when you were telling the story about the woman with the uh, armadillo in her back, were you talking to me? I said, no. I, I mean, well, I was talking to everyone. Well, you were looking at me almost the whole time. Uh, I was? Yeah, you were looking at me almost the whole time. And she says, the reason I ask you, well, she says, were you looking at, or were, were you talking to me? I said, well, I was just telling everyone the story. 
I said, why do you ask me? She says, because I have relatives in Amarillo, Texas, and I've been wounded by them, and I have the bad back pain too. And she broke down, and she was gone. She was flooding the floor with tears. And right as she said that, around the corner came four women. And I just said, ladies, this lady needs deliverance. Have at it. And I walked away and prepared. <laughs> she had a glow on her face the rest of the afternoon. She was fully delivered of that by the power of God. Is that fruit? That's fruit. Is that another layer? Bizarre. Yeah. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this could be the day of the deliverance for your mother. So let's pray for a mother right now. What's your name? Cheryl. Cheryl. Father God, we lift up Cheryl right now. Father, we pray. We know this was a divine appointment today. We know we started with this because Michelle, Father God, bore witness of that, Lord. And Father, we're asking today that you would go to, what's your name again? Cheryl. Cheryl. That you would come to Cheryl right now, even as we speak, Father God. That you would bring her deliverance through our prayers, through our faith, through the things that Michelle has been revealed, Father God. We bring deliverance to her in Jesus' name. We take that armadillo out of her back in Jesus' name. We take that wound out in Jesus' name because we have the authority to do it. Because we can see it, Lord God. We ask for perfect deliverance, divine deliverance, healing. Father, heal that wound right now in Jesus' name. Take it out. We pray that she would be restored. She would be a new woman in the time ahead. And Father God, as Michelle has led, that she would tell it to her. She would not tell it to her, whatever. But you would also lead Michelle into that ministry of further deliverance and complete deliverance, Lord. And we thank you for this revelation today. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is already dancing in our hearts right now, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So here's a dream, layer after layer. That dream, I don't know if I had the, uh, the year of that dream. I know, I mean, I haven't recorded. Most of my 6,000 dreams that people brought me, I have recorded and documented. But I'll go back. I mean, that was seven years ago, and God's still using that today. Are you going to talk about journaling? And- sure will. Let's talk about journaling. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Wow. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? God never stops. All right. Generally, by the way, we have uh, between uh, three to seven dreams a night. We all do. And how many of you say, I just am not remembering my dreams, Craig? All right. And as Curtis said, two, and I mentioned last night. The reason we don't is we've discounted them. That doesn't mean you're the main dream. Normally in a marriage, for instance, one dreams and the other one doesn't so much. That's okay. At least you got one in the house. But I'm telling you, we all do dream but we just need to develop that belief system, get in our belief system that we believe now. Craig said it, it's been said, it's been witnessed, it's been confirmed, the Bible says it. By the way, we could talk all day long about the scriptures. We can go in many different areas here, but you go ahead and search that. If you think, well, I don't know about this, is this really new covenant, all this stuff, check it out. But the thing is, uh, you know, he's gonna pour out in the last days. We are in the last days. We're going to have dreams and visions and signs and wonders and prophecy. We're getting them. I'll show you the fruit. But the thing is, is that we just need to come into that place. So um, you have the dreams. 
Lord, Father, I pray right now that we may remember the dreams, that you would bring them back to the people that have just had, that, that, that has gone past them, Father. Pray that you'd bring back that kind of sleep that would produce those yeah. dreams, Lord, that you would bring dreams like never before once people leave here today, Father God, because their belief uh, has been secured, they've gained a further belief, and they're strengthened in their faith that you're going to speak to them through these means, Lord, in Jesus' name. Okay, by the way, the Lord speaks in like... I saw and read in the New Testament, there's like 40 different ways biblically in the New Covenant where, how, of how the Lord spoke. And we'll talk about those later on too. Unctions, gut feelings, all these types of ways. We're all different, so you all don't have to dream like I do or like she does or like, you know. We all dream to a certain extent or we'll remember those dreams. Just keep going with what you have already, but try to build on your repertoire in the Spirit, if you will. Right? Amen. But we need to believe. Go ahead. Uh, just real quick, it just, it just it hit me when he was talking about how one person will probably dream more than the other, that kind of thing. And that's just such a biblical principle. You don't really understand the, that concept is that in the world there's a spiritual anointing and there's physical anointing, practical anointing, as we call them. And we need to understand that most likely, not 100% across the board, but, but generally, one person in the family will have a spiritual anointing and will have a Moses knew, I mean, he, he raised his hand, there was victory. That's a spiritual, but it took two people to have the practical anointing to go by and keep his hands up to see how to continue to have victory. So it's one thing to be aware of, aware of things in the spirit, another thing to get it to ma- work and manifest in the world. And it takes both those in a family. That's why don't surprise yourself. You know, husbands, your wives will never be like you. Wives, your husbands will never be like you. You know, so it's one has practical and one has spiritual and they learn how to work together and honor each other and then, then great things can take place. So someone's going to have pictures and someone's not. And you don't need to say, oh, you're weird. You can say, hey, let's see how we can make what you see come to pass. Amen. Amen. Yep. And uh, um, with that, yeah, you will have the different things, but generally that's what I find too. But it doesn't mean that that person can't, you can't increase in those dreams. And the main way you do it is by paying attention. There's other ways to bring those dreams back up. We'll get to that a little bit later too. Uh, Daniel 2.30 says, But as for me, this, this secret has not been revealed to me, because he was talking to Nebuchadnezzar, because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but for our sakes who make known the interpretation to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Mm. Most of the dreams, most, many, many dreams that you're going to have will be revealing the thoughts in your heart. Daniel 2.30, you see it right there on your curriculum. But as for me, Daniel said, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but for the sakes of, uh, for, for, for our sakes who make known the interpretation to the king that you may know the thoughts of your heart. God can show you the thoughts of your heart. God can show you that some unredeemed nature is still in there, right? Donna, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sleepwalking. Yeah. Sure. Right, right. Okay. 
That was good. All right. You know, may God be the chocolate in your life. All right. Amen. And satisfy you. Hallelujah. That's awesome. But we need a doctrine for dreams in the church. We need permission to say we can dream, we can have interpretations, we can, do, uh, we can bear fruit in this area. But I tell you what, I'd rather have one dream. If you say, well, I don't dream that much, just wait for that one dream. I would rather have one dream with an interpretation than a thousand dreams without one. And you would too. Because you know what, if you have a thousand dreams that you've been given, much is required. To him, whom, him who much is given, much is required. Okay? There's consequences for not paying attention to God on this level. God will always love you, as Curtis says. There, you're, you have a love relationship with God. But you know what? It will cause consequences if we don't pay attention to the things that God's trying to do to save the world, to save us out of problems, to save us out of our jobs, to save us from all these types of things we face in life. We would do well to pay attention. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, dreams are parables, and so therefore we have to understand the language of God. The reason you say, crazy dream, you know, some of your craziest dreams can be the most God dreams that you've ever seen in your life and can be life transforming and so forth. But we say, oh, I had the craziest dream. There, listen, I've heard them all, but, and there are crazy ones. But some of your craziest dreams can be verily God-given dreams, okay? And it says in Matthew 13, 34, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them. If I told you that God spoke in the French language, he spoke in French, would you endeavor as a Christian to learn the French language? Maybe? Okay? God speaks in parables. So we need to learn the parabolic language. That's it. Now, yes, you've heard God's still small voice in your spirit speaking in your language, haven't you? Once in a while, you just hear that. He told me, I love you. Whatever it would be, right? But he speaks the least amount in your language. He is speaking symbolically to us all the time. We just need to learn the language. And when you start looking at the world and your life and your heart symbolically, you'll go from seeing the world just as it is, as you have been, and you'll come over here and you'll see the same world in your life symbolically. And I call this the kingdom of God. And you will be living in it because you'll see things of, of greater truth than you've ever known and you'll be revealed the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, for it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Not to them, but for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Dreams, visions, signs, and wonders, these are mysteries. They're secrets that need to be revealed, then they need to be interpreted, and they need to be worked out and walked out. Uh, to, uh, Jesus also said in Matthew, uh, Mark 4.30, he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or what, with what parable shall we picture it. He's given you parables of what the kingdom of God looks like in your life. He's speaking symbolically. You ever see pictures? Just get these snapshot visions? You should not ignore those. Sometimes I will stay and be still in bed. I One time I waited half an hour. I said, Lord, if you want to speak to me this morning, I just say, please speak to me. I had a sore throat and I didn't feel like getting out of bed so fast. That helped keep me there. I waited 30 minutes on the Lord. And about the 24th minute, whoom, something passed by me with the speed of light. But I got the snapshot of the picture. And I was in a house of a woman who had come to my dream class in Illinois. And I, we had, uh, with this whole group, we had had lunch and so forth. So I, I sat across from her, I talked to her. 
I, I was in this woman's house, in, boom, that fast, in one picture, and I was in between the walls of the kitchen and the porch, and there were some keys on the, uh, on the uh, inside on a hook, and based on that quick dash of a picture, I wrote it down as fast as I could, and I forgot it as fast as I remembered it, but I had written it down. I emailed that woman and threw the whole thing. What a powerful testimony. She found keys. She had keys. Uh, there were many things that God revealed. There was a word of the Lord. She ended up uh, finding, oh, anyway, testimony. I don't want to, we're going to get on with it, but just a snapshot blessed her life, changed her. The kingdom of God was advanced. You see what I'm saying? Just a snapshot. Do we let these go? All the time. And we go, what was that? Ooh, weird. Why would I have a dream? You know, right? Right? What I did, I started practicing by calling people up if I had dreams about them. Except some of the terrible ones I would use. You know, you need to use discretion, right? Be wise. But I'd call them up because I had to know if dreams are real. I was prophesied that I was going to have dreams and visions. I thought, I can't let those words drop to the ground anymore. I've done that my whole life. So that's the whole picture I want to give you, too. My life is like, the will of God in my life is like a puzzle on a coffee table. And I've got puzzles that haven't fit yet. And I'm looking to find out when they fit, how they fit, if they're even pieces to this puzzle. Maybe they're not pieces to this puzzle. Maybe they're some other, some, you know, maybe they just don't apply. But it doesn't matter. I'm not going to let them fall to the ground ever. And one day, and I'm continuing to put this puzzle together, and God is showing me my life. He's showing me my future, and he puts it by his spirit every step of the way. That's what these mysteries will do for you, okay? Greek word parable, uh, you can read that. Really, the word means to, to be like. The kingdom of God is what? It's like something. The kingdom of God, this dream last night, is, is like something that you're facing in your life and in your heart right now. And I'm telling you what it is, but you have to interpret it. It's like it. It isn't it. It's like it. Jesus is, is, is the, line of the, troop of, uh, the line of the tribe of, of Judah, right? Well, is he really a lion? Well, no, it's a picture. He's really like a lion in many of his attributes. Okay? It's not that he is one. He's like one. <clears throat> okay, when, I, when we think symbolically, we all know this. If I... If I drew on the board, let's do it like um, Wheel of Fortune or something. As fast as you get it, let me know what, the, what this means to you. Stop. I haven't even, drew, I haven't even done the whole uh, symbol, and you tell me stop. So we're doing this all the time, every day in our lives. God says, well, do it up here. Do it in your dreams, please. If I show, God could just show you that, and you go, well, that means stop. I saw an octagon. Craig, what does that mean? What does an octagon mean? What could it mean? Maybe a few different things, but it could mean stop. Well, what does that mean? Whatever you're doing, you may want to stop. You may want to stop doing it. And right away, yeah, and right away the Holy Spirit tells you, as I'm saying it, the Holy Spirit tells the person, this is what I'm talking about, and they know exactly what he's talking about. Stop it. And by the way, if once you get that word, if you get the word, it means you have the authority to get delivered or helped with it and to stop it. Otherwise, he wouldn't show it to you because it's divine. It's from him. You have the authority now to stop it. Before that time, you didn't. But now that you have it, it would be very well if you obeyed that and walked in that because you have all the grace in the world from God to be able to walk out of that. Okay? He's not playing games with us. He's not going to say, 
I'm telling you to stop it, but I'm not going to let you stop it. No, God's a good God. All the time. So, other examples. Moses. Is Moses symbolic of anything? Moses. The law. Okay? How about Adam? Symbolic of? Pardon me? Old man. The fall. Sin. Right? Could be a number of things. Uh, Christ. If, if Adam's the old man, Christ becomes the new man. So, by the way, sometimes in a dream, you'll say, I was walking down the road with an old man. Not a good picture. <laughs> you know what? We want to shed that old man. We want to come into the new man. But you will see. Maybe sometimes you'll just say, someone will say to you, yeah, I was walking with an old man, and he followed me everywhere. You know, you got some legalistic issues in your life. God wants to release you from things. By the way, not just the law of Moses, law in general. You create laws in your own life. Well, because I did this, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to punish myself the rest of my life because I made a mistake there. You've just created a law. So they don't end with Moses. We're full of them. And we pray that God, please take the law out of our hearts because we're no longer under law, we're under grace. Amen? All right. So we need to think symbolically, and I'm going to give you a little quiz now and uh, to show us where we're at symbolically in our lives and how good we're really doing. And so be thinking about this. You don't have to write anything down. I'll ask the questions after I tell you. And... Uh, We'll just go from there. Are you ready for the quiz? All right, Lord, just open up their ears and their eyes to help them answer these questions once I give it. Okay, the story I'm going to give you is about uh, Mary who had a little lamb and its fleece was white as snow and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. It followed her to school one day, which was against the rule. It made the children laugh and play to see a lamb at school. Here's a part you may not have heard before. but And so the teacher turned it out, but it still lingered near and waited patiently about till Mary did appear. Okay, first question. How old was the lamb? Huh? A little lamb. A little lamb. Isn't giving me an age, but he's saying it's a little lamb. Young? Okay. Second question. Why did the lamb follow Mary everywhere she went? To protect her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of goofy. She's kind of one of these goofy people. <laughs> okay. Love. Comfort. All right. How long did it take for Mary to appear? End of the school day. Okay. Three thirty, four o'clock, maybe, right? Uh, what was Mary's husband's name? Okay. What, what city was the school in? You know that one. Whoa, Lord. Help them, Lord. Help them. No. Uh, why was its fleece as white as snow? Who were the children? The Jews? <laughs> the schoolmaster. Okay. Who was the teacher? Why don't we say the schoolmaster on that one, Nick? I said oh, schoolmates, the, the children. Maybe the schoolmaster was the teacher, right? Why did the teacher turn it out? It didn't, belong. didn't belong there. Didn't, rec didn't what? Didn't recognize it. And what was the lamb's name? <laughs> Jesus, right. Now, here I'm going to show you something. 
You guys did terrible. <laughs> uh, someone maybe got one answer right. Okay? But here's the deal. With a dream, we need to get to the central point of every dream you have. If you, if you find the central point, if you can interpret and unlock interpretively what that main point of your dream was, that weird thing in the dream, that strange thing. I went to a baseball game last night, but I get home. I dream about the Minnesota Twins and their game, but there's a pink elephant in the middle of the field. God may say, listen, that game you went to last night is like something going on in your heart. And that pink elephant is kind of the central point of what I'm trying to tell you, Craig. If you can interpret what that pink elephant means and represents in your heart, you've, you will, the rest of the dream will just like the matrix, just, it'll fall right in place quite easily. Okay? All right. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Now, here's the key to unlocking the rest of this parable to you. The key is sometimes asking the right question or in the right way. I'm going to ask you a question. And once I ask that question, let's see how we do on the rest of the test, okay? Who is the lamb? Jesus is the lamb, spiritually, right? How old was the lamb when it went to a school? 12 years old. Very good. Why did the lamb follow Mary everywhere she went? That was, that was his mom. How long did it take for Mary to appear or reappear when the lamb was 12 years old at school? Three days. What was Mary's husband's name? Joseph. Boy, you're getting them all right now. What city was the school in? Jerusalem. Okay. Why was its fleece as white as snow? Pure and righteous, without spot or blemish. So who were the children at the school? The Jews, scribes, Pharisees, those listening to Jesus. And what? They just marveled, didn't they? Where, uh, so then who was the teacher? More of these Pharisees and so forth? Why did the teachers turn it out? Why did they turn Jesus out of the temple? They didn't believe him. They rejected. The Jews as a whole even ended up rejecting Jesus as the Christ. What was the lamb's name? Jesus. You see how we need to look at things symbolically? And your mind, I, I, I started by saying, look at this thing symbolically. By the way, it's not like you're going to get it the first minute. It took me five minutes to get it. I just sat down one day and I said, okay, Mary had a little lamb. Let's look at that symbolically. And five minutes later, I got this. By the way, I now am reading through the Bible symbolically. You wouldn't believe what it says. Well, you would. <laughs> you should. You know, why do we look at the Bible? Why do we read the Bible literally all the time? Matter of fact... <laughs> Some of that could kill you. I mean, really, if we're really Christians, based on doing the things Jesus said, then we should all be here with nubs, right? No feet, no hands. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Has your hand ever caused you to sin? Woofta. <laughs> we should be the nub church, okay? 
if we really wanted to obey Jesus, literally, that's what we'd be. We, that's how we should look. So we're either a very disobedient group of people here this morning, or he might be saying something symbolically. How about this verse? I'll give you a symbolic verse that I read one day. I don't have it right here on me, but it talks about to who, uh, which one of you, uh, which one of you as a father, if a son asked you for bread, would you give him a stone? Remember that verse? I'm paraphrasing a little bit. What father of you, if a son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? So I thought that meant, you know, if you're driving down the road, someone is sitting there on a stalled car with a, with holding up a gas can, you know, don't take, drive him into town and buy him groceries. You know, drive him down, let him get some gas, right? You know, meet him at his point of need. If he asks for gas, give him gas. Maybe he doesn't have money. Say, gosh, could you borrow me some gas? Don't give him groceries. You want to give him gas, right? Don't give him a stone. If he's asked for bread, don't give him a stone, right? I started looking at this thing symbolically. Come on now. If a father, who, what father, a son asked for bread, would give him a stone. Who is the bread of life? Jesus is the bread of life. What are written in stone? The law. Who of you, if a father asks for the bread of life, if someone comes to you asking for Jesus, don't give him the commandments written in stone. Wow. Don't give him the law. Give him Jesus. They've heard enough of that law stuff. That is no answer for them. They need the Christ. The forgiver. Well, you can do the same thing with the first temptation. Yep. See what I'm saying? I've got tons of verses. I, I teach on verses that I've found symbolically, and it's life-changing. It's another layer, okay? It's another layer. Can you do it in the natural? Sure. You know, if someone comes to me and asks for, a, you know, $5, I'm not going to give them a teddy bear. I'm going to give them $5 if I want to give them $5. It makes sense. But, you know, we're really one-dimensional sometimes with our Bible reading. And we're actually, many times, we're just reading it as we've been indoctrinated to oh, read yeah. it. Okay? Yeah. We need to break some of those things. There are principalities that want you to just to look at the Bible one way. Read the word one way. Just hear it as you hear it. That's it. As Craig says it today, don't believe it any other way. If Craig said, this means stop signing your dreams, don't ever believe anything else. Don't look at it any other way. I'm saying don't do that. Okay? The Holy Spirit... He can do anything he wants, and he will. And he is far spread. All right? But Mary had a little lamb. What a great example of how far we really need to go in the body of Christ to get over here. Because we are so ingrained at looking everything at everything so literally and linearly. I thought it was a great example. By the way, I did some research on Mary had a little lamb. A young woman wrote the story back in the late 1890s, and originally it was Mary had a little lamb his uh, fleece was white as snow. And it was copywritten later on by, once she died and whatever, it was copywritten by someone who decided they wanted that for themselves, and they copywrote it, and they put it, it's. So it can no longer be printed in the original way. I mean, it's not interesting. So, you can sing it however you want. So what did the author, what, what, what did the author really mean? Did the, was the author a Christian? I don't know. But you know what? Ozzy Osbourne one time 
was accused of being a Satanist from way back. Everyone knows Ozzy Osbourne. Remember in the years they said, no, that guy's a Satanist. He lives in a house that used to be by uh, Satan worshipers, by what do you call the male witches? Uh, warlocks. That's a house of warlocks. You hear all these stories and he bit off the bat, uh, the head of a bat one day on, on stage. This really happened. So everyone said in the country, they said, the guy's a warlock. The guy's a witch he's, and he's a Satan worshiper. Ozzy Osbourne came out, out and said, I don't know what you're talking about. I know nothing about this kind of stuff. Well, you look at the words in your songs. You know what? Jesus said, you say and do, you, you, you do the will of your father, the devil. He told a disciple that. And you do the things you hear and see whether you like it or not. We are what we hear and see. You do what you read in uh, Newsweek or Time Magazine or on Fox News and not on CNN or whatever you're doing. But you believe the things you hear and see. And many times, um, like I said, you're hearing those things. Now, I was just telling uh, Israel this morning, I was in a rock band before we got saved. And our last song of the day, every place we went, was a song called It's All Right. We were pagans, okay? Here was the words to the song we wrote. We, we did all original music, or mostly original music. And my brother wrote this song. And here's the song. We'd get up there. It was our fastest song. Jesus is our Savior. He's coming. I'm not going to sing it. Jesus is our Savior. He's coming to save us all. It's all right. It's all right. Jesus is our Savior. Hear the Spirit call. It's all right. It's all right. He will walk in our midst, and he will take us in from the night. Second verse. We have faith in Jesus. He will take us in the way. When you love your Jesus, it will be a happy day. Love will truly find us and take us in from the night. We were pagans. I asked my brother Mitch, so uh, why did you write that song? I don't know. I was inspired. <laughs> I, you know, come on, artists, why do they draw? Why do they write? Why do they dance the way they do? Because they just get it out of the air. They do what they hear and see. We also wrote songs about a witch and about the devil back then and about girls and all that kind of stuff, right? But we wrote about that, and one year later, year and a half later, our whole band got radically saved. It was prophecy. So you do the will of your Father. You do what you hear and see. Amen? All right. Um, should we start about 10.30? Should we quit at 12 then? All right, we got, we're going to go 25 more minutes. Listen, if you have to run real quick to the bathroom, go ahead and do it. I'm going to run through this. Um, <laughs> let's take a break. <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Any questions? Yep. I love it. Yep. Mm-hmm. This thing that's stuck in their back that causes pain. And this thing that is stuck may not see what they're doing. The tail of the armadillo, to get it out of the back, you would grab it by the tail. Mm-hmm. To hold the armadillo, you have to lift it up. You lift that person up. Mm. Okay? Amen. Uh, and Michelle, yeah. This 
skin on an armadillo on the ground, you'll get tired and let go. So you lift this thing up to God. When you have an armadillo up, underneath all that toughness and hardness is a soft white skin. We all, there's goodness in everybody. Amen. We all have a shell. We were all blind and couldn't see. But God knows there's some good in that person. That's right. And some pure white meat. I don't know, I don't know I'm going to all white meat. Wow. There's some darkness. Wow. And when you have that person or that thing lifted up, you can see that whiteness. And it's very easy to penetrate the heart. You can't penetrate it from the shell. Oh, hallelujah. And lifting people up in prayer, what he showed me there is you can't get an armadillo in the front. He will tear you up. <laughs> you come from behind. Mm -hmm. People that are hurting you and you can't face them mm -hmm. or talk to them. You reach from behind where they can't see. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Come on, we're just talking about a little vision here of a person with an armadillo. And look what's coming forth already. Gospel and gospel and gospel and good news, right? Just one little picture. You know, we could, we could keep going with this thing because you all are getting, could get something in the spirit on that. All right? Now, is, is that the true interpretation, or is it that one, or is it this one, or is it that one? It's all of them. So we've, been learned, we've learned in Christianity to be so either-or oriented, and we need to become both-and oriented. That's one basic thing I learned through 10 years of study of this stuff. We need to stretch out a little bit and become both-and oriented. It has really kept us so limited in our thinking. Having time to meditate on these dreams. I'll tell you one thing. This is so funny. So they think that there's this dream interpreter guy in Minnesota. You just email his, your dreams to him, and, and this guy will interpret my dream. So guess what? After a few years and a few thousand dreams, I, when they email their dream, uh, sometimes, or call me about it or talk to me about it, I'd say, okay, before I help them with an interpretation. By the way, I, I don't really say I interpret dreams for people. I say I help the people interpret their dreams. I don't put anything on them. I'm looking for this when I'm telling them interpretation. If I don't see this, I need to try another door to get into that dream so I can nail this thing. Okay? You may not get it the first time. Also on that armadillo also. <laughs> <laughs> if you just pull it out and let them go, that armadillo is going to get down in that hole. And you lose them. Yeah. And you lose that opportunity, don't you? You see, it's a never-ending story. Okay? Many stories of this. I, uh, in my process of learning dreams, I found out that Jesus said to the disciples at one point, he said, when he told them the parable of the sower, he said, they said, what does this parable mean? And Jesus said, what? You don't understand this parable? How will you understand all parables? Now, I'd been given a prophecy that I was going to see dreams and visions. So I thought, wait a minute, I knew dreams and visions at that time came in parables. I said, if I don't understand the parable of the sower, Jesus said, how will I understand all parables? And I'm going to get a bunch of dreams in my life to help people with. I studied the parable of the sower for two and a half years without studying any other Bible verses. 
Now, it brought me to many other Bible verses, but all the other Bible verses pertained to that study. I got a file that big, and I could have a file that big if I kept on another two and a half years. And a file that, you see what I'm saying? And I found things that I've never heard anyone explain about the parable of the sower. After two and a half years, I read 23 books of theologians talking about the parable of the sower, and I laughed at 20 of those books. I laughed because, you know, it's the same old thing. And over here, I found treasures and things I'd never known, and it's actually the basis for my whole faith was found in that parable of the sower. And I give a teaching on that. I'll write a book on that one day. But anyway, you can go on forever. We could go on, we could go on just on this thing and interpret all day long as the Holy Spirit would just bounce on everyone. But he decided to sit back, and he couldn't get it off his mind. The Holy Spirit was working on him and wanted to show him something of this little drawing here of what happened. And it pertained to her mom. It pertains to other people. It pertains to, can pertain to everyone. He who has ears to hear. But, oh, so people call with the dreams. And I say, the first question I started asking after a few years was, okay, so uh, what do you think the dream means? Oh, I don't know. I called you to find out what you think it means. Well, how long have you been meditating on this dream since you had it? Well, I haven't. I just thought I'd give it to you. I just wrote it down, and I'm <laughs> calling you for it. Oh, so you want me to think about something that if you thought about long enough... The Holy Spirit would tell you some things about your dream. But no, you call me. I didn't say that. And I'm thankful for everyone who did call me, okay? And I'm, they're precious people. And we need a doctrine for dreams and interpreting and so forth. We're starving for this, by the way, folks. May the Lord touch you guys to help others. Yes. All right? I'm not here to tell you what I got. I'm here to pass on the goods so that Come we on. can all be bringing more life, uh, life, and, uh, life more abundantly to everyone's lives, okay? So... Um, I, t I say it this way. If you have a dream, and you say, well, I can't interpret. If you took a significant dream in this next month, you write that dream down as fast as you get it when you, when you wake up with the details. Daniel, it says in Daniel that he wrote down all the main facts of the dream. He was a journal writer. He even asked his buddies when he got home that night, look, hey, we're all going to die tomorrow if we don't come up with this interpretation. Oh, you know, uh, the three other guys, right? So he went, yeah, Meshach and the guys, and so he went and said, what does this mean? They talked about it all night. They still didn't come to the full interpretation. Daniel goes to sleep, and in the sleep and in the night, he gets the interpretation. Go ahead. Right, or, or, as I mentioned last night, I give a picture. We're moving backwards into the future. We're just looking at tradition. We're just looking at what we've known, what we've heard before. You, matter of fact, I've got, um, what is it, about 40 or 50 Bible verses on the law alone in the New Covenant scriptures that I'll bet you there's 35 of them that you've never heard in your life. And you've skipped over them because you have not been we have not been indoctrinated in the truth in many areas. These principalities over the body of Christ are trying to keep us from knowing the truth. Keep us from our freedom that's in Christ. Okay? I, I, I tell people these verses, they go, no, that's not in the Bible. Go, yeah, it is. It's this verse. Because we skipped over them because Satan knows if they know what this one means, really what it means, I'm powerless. Okay? So we have been trained, our minds have been indoctrinated and trained to go on certain things. You start looking at those verses that you've skipped over in the past and you'll see things that you haven't seen before, okay? We need to break that thing. And that's this thing, the traditions of men, 
But Jesus warned against this stuff, his greatest warnings. He said, watch out for traditions of men, commandments of men, doctrines of men, and doctrines of demons. All these things. Fables, wise uh, uh, fables, all those things. I have a list, there's like 60 that I have on a list of all the things Jesus said don't be deceived by that we're probably paying attention to every day. Because we can't trust a Holy Spirit that's invisible and in our hearts. Okay. Questions? Any other questions? We want to be interactive here. Interpreting dreams. Uh, by the way, someone asked me one time. Well, I'll get down to that in a second. Um, Genesis 40, verse 8. And they said to him, We each have a, had a dream, and there is no interpreter. So Joseph said to them, Do not inter interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. And I'm telling you, I can't interpret a dream without the Holy Spirit. And you can't either. Your best dream dictionaries, Christian dream dictionaries, will not do it for you either. Matter of fact, you want to get back into the letter of the law type thing? You want to be rigid with your interpretations? Go and plug in things in a dream, in, in, uh, dream dictionary book. Plug those into someone's dream. It'll come out as cold as ice. Because about the day you figure that wolf, it says in a dream dictionary, wolf, that can be the devil, right? The wolf that goes around prowling and it's, it's going to snatch the sheep away from... You know, the body. My mother-in-law grew up raising baby wolves. To her, wolves mean man's best friend. Woman's, little girl's best friend. We all have a, a dream dictionary in our hearts. And that's really where it's going to be. If, as long as you're the interpreter of this person's dream, the Holy Spirit's going to use you and say, no, 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 no. Don't be rigid here. There are general themes. There are general things that you see. What I tell people is read a good uh, Bible uh, dream symbol dictionary and then throw it away. Because I want you to just get a picture of how to get the, learn the language, you see? Matter of fact, I'll tell you right now, understanding the dreams you dream. Just one I, I've recommended. It's the only one I've ever recommended. There's plenty others, but I just say, this one's by Ira Milligan, Understanding the Dreams You Dream. Tells about every, you know, all these different things, gives Bible verses to them, but you know what? computer isn't in the Bible. So if I have a dream about a broken computer, right? How do I interpret that? It's not in the biblical dream dictionary. It might be in some of these dictionaries. What would a computer and an internet, what would that represent possibly? Information. Yes. Okay. So everything is symbolic. All right. But anyway, it doesn't mean you can go plugging in dream dictionary terms. All right. The Holy Spirit wants to work with you. It's relational. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you, and you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, go ahead, Donna. Some people have uh, dreams about falling. Okay. What does falling spiritually mean? By the way, what, what you're supposed to do with the parable, you see a dream picture, it's something in the natural that you're supposed to parallel to what does that mean possibly scripturally, spiritually, symbolically. That's how you need to think. If you're falling in the natural, how do we fall spiritually? Can you fall spiritually? Sure you can have a falling spiritually. 
You can trip over a lot of things. We can make mistakes. We can trip up. We can have, for lack of knowledge, for lack of vision, all these types of things. So falling can represent falling from a place you were at that was higher up, so to speak, if you will, not, and you fall, you're fallen from that original place. So it's being tripped up spiritually, possibly. Depends upon the context of the dream. Can't use it every time, but I'm just giving you, you know, some of the things that I, as, as you hear that stuff. And if that's the case, then what's another word for I rise, rose up in the air, my whole body? Levitate. Levitate? How about scripturally? Resurrection. Rapture. Resurrection. Very good. All those apply. Could be a resurrection. We're supposed to be resurrected with him. We don't just die to ourselves and die to Christ. We also then are resurrected. So there's a connotation possibly of being resurrected or being lifted up. Who's lifting you up? You can't do that naturally. You're lifted up. You know what? If your mind's set on things that are above, you're going to become a lot lighter on this earth spiritually. People ask me, by the way, how many... How often, do you have, how often do we have God dreams? And I say, well, how often do you have your mind set on things that are above? We're seated in heavenly places. That's our perspective. We're supposed to be elevated up. We're supposed to be lifted up. We're supposed to be... I ask people one day, I say, yeah, well, all I know is, is this. Is I, I want to be there in the rapture, so I want to give my life to Jesus so I can be there in the rapture. Well, that's not going to get you in the rapture. The question is, are you rapturable? Are you more stuck on this earth as a Christian, or are you more up there? That's just, that was free. No. But anyway, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So anyway, the question being that, you know, okay, so that, those are two different connotations. You have to start looking at every, all of these things in dreams or whatever, symbolically, scripturally, spiritually, and see where it gets you. And you'll be surprised because you all have a language of symbolism. And God will even use your personal strength of what you believe that to be. I saw armadillo in one way. You can, Frank can see it another way. Jimmy can see it another way. You have your own dictionary going on. It's always been there. And he, God wants to expand on it. And you need to grow in those things. And you need to ask questions. But you need to then learn how to respond to the Spirit. We've kind of lost that art a little bit, you know? But now we have to be responsible and mature in that and get that thing back if we have lost that. Questions? Good. Nick. I'm similar. I have faces to the dreams that I do remember. I have the, I can't necessarily see faces of, of people, but I don't have a sense of who they are. Okay. All right. But I don't see faces. All right. Any comments? First of all, who doesn't have a face scripturally? Whose face don't we see scripturally? Yeah, okay. It's a place you can go. The Holy Spirit may have you go there and say, this may be an image, uh, a God-like image. They may be faceless Christian people. Now, why would then, in the context of that, all of a sudden you see one person, you do see their face? Could be because they're not God. <laughs> the rest of them are walking in things of God. The rest of them are speaking truth. This one that you see a face of, and you may even know that person, but you know what? People who don't seek any glory, they're faceless. Now, I'm just, I'm just doing spontaneously as, as I'm getting that. Many more pictures that you might get. You might get a different picture. Also be a warning that a person is not who you think they are. That's good. By the way, one of my warnings uh, for September 11th, we had three warnings of September 11th in our household alone. I had two. My son had one. 
uh, my warning came through an angelic visitation in the night and the other one was a vision. And in my vision, I saw a headless horseman riding, coming my way in front of me. Something in front of you coming your way, it's the future quickly coming your way, it's coming, and it was running and riding. It was very ominous, it was fearful. This was not a good picture. A headless horseman, faceless horseman, right? And the day of the, the um, September 11th, well, we already knew we had my son's uh, dream because he saw all four of the, miss the airplanes. He saw them as missiles. He saw how they all hit, what they, the damage they did. He also knew we were at war with Iraq, which we weren't for another year. That was his dream. Um, I had a vision uh, or an angelic visitation I'll hopefully talk to you about later. But then I had this faceless guy. And when I'm listening to the news that day, President Bush, I believe it was Bush, or a representative from the government got up and said that we have been attacked by a faceless coward. I heard the words. Why? Because I pay attention to the things I hear and see from above. And I said, that's it. That's what I was praying for. And by the way, I prayed when I saw this evil thing coming, this faceless thing, because many times you can interpret a dream also by the very emotions. You don't have to get it all right. I tell people, if you can't even interpret this whole dream, if something bad is happening, pray against that and just pray the dream. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you take that armadillo out of that woman's back because it is not a good thing. I don't know anything more to do, Lord, but all I saw was an armadillo in her back, and I can't believe it was good. I just know, right? Sometimes you just know things. People will tell me dreams. Into the dream, da-da-da. And by the way, I knew that woman was pregnant. Well, how did you know? Well, I just knew. You have knowings in a dream. You see things in dreams. You wake up, you're emotionally spent or you're crying or weeping or sweating, right? Or emotionally, I could even focus the rest of the day. It affected me so powerfully. <laughs> God may be trying to shake you up in one way, by emotions as well. All those things count, okay? I woke up and realized that faceless person, actually, it was Don Marburg, a guy I know down the street. Well, how did you come to that point? I don't know, I just, that's what I realized when I woke up. I think, Nick, didn't you say, or someone said recently, um, I knew one person, or I, th I thought I knew who one person was. I mean, this is what people will say. Well, then go with that and meditate on that, see? We need to look at a dream, and I say look at the dream symbolically first. Sometimes they can be literal, and given the time, we'll talk about literal manifestation. I mean, that it's literally going to happen the way it was. Certain people are literally in trouble, <laughs> and you need to respond in prayer in some way, especially with warning dreams. Daniel uh, 2, verse 16. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Sometimes in the marketplace. Let's say you go to work and you're flipping burgers and the guy next to you says, boy, did I have a dream last night. And you go, really? Well, listen, I just went to a dream class. <laughs> I'm no pro, but yeah, just tell me the dream. And he tells you the dream. And you go, oh boy, I'm not getting this. But I bet if I went back to this little group that did make a few phone calls, maybe we could get some help. When I first started doing this, and there again, I learned mostly by the Holy Spirit. Back when I first was given this prophecy that I'd see dreams and visions, I didn't even know God really, really spoke today through dreams and visions. I started having to learn from the Holy Spirit, and I had to, um, and as we started the process, I got our worship team together in our church. I was a part of the worship team, 
and we meet on Friday nights and we go over dreams. And I'm telling you, when you get in a group of people, you can interpret a dream 10 times faster. Yes. That 10 times exponential type wisdom. The body of Christ is essential because we all see things differently. I wake up in the morning, I say, tell me your dream, Vicki, tell me my dream. I'll tell Vicki a dream. I'll say, Vicki, I don't even know what it means. She says, are you kidding me? I know what that means. Nice, two are better than one. And try 10, try 10 people. Okay, see what I'm saying? You guys have the stuff right here to do it. You Willis people, you can go back. You've got a, you've got a few people who could do this stuff. Work with each other. Don't be a know-it-all. And tell people in the marketplace, tell people, look, I'm no expert, but give me a try. And I want to tell you something. The Lord God will be so gracious to you. You would not believe how gracious God is. My first time I went to the marketplace, I maybe interpreted 400 dreams or so. And uh, by the way, here's my success rate. When I first start interpreting dreams, I start with my own dreams. Then I start with this worship team's dreams. Then I went out and then people start calling me, okay? My first uh, 50 or 100 dreams of my own dreams, here's my success ratio. Miss, 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 you know, interpreting a dream. Miss, 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 hit, miss, hit. Ha, I got one. Miss, 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 hit, miss, miss, miss. You know, maybe that's the first 50 or 100. You know, I'm just giving you a picture, okay? Next 100 dreams. Miss, miss, hit, miss, 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 hit, hit, miss, hit. The next 100, hit, 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 miss, hit, miss, 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 hit, hit, hit. 400, hit, 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 miss. We always make mistakes. <laughs> we can't interpret everything. We all know in part, right? <laughs> See what I'm saying? That same thing happens as we discipline ourselves and understand the working of the Holy Spirit, understand how he works with you individually differently than anyone else. And you'll start getting this stuff, okay? I was going to make another point, but I forgot what that was now. Oh. Uh, yeah, please. I had a person asked me last night and brought up, uh, they asked me, what about, you know, black and white mm -hmm. and color dreams and the different types of dreams? Right. Okay, types of dreams. Let's run over to page. We'll quickly run over here. We'll begin on types of dreams and kind of keep working on that as we go through. I'm just kind of kind of floating the Holy Spirit here, if that's okay with you guys. We're a limited amount of time. By the way, it's not like I can in three days teach anyone how to interpret dreams, but at least if we have some tools here, yep. get some pictures, we're, we can begin. By the way, on February 7th, I start... Uh, this prophecy I had in 1998 was started by a woman who was finishing prophesying to one person. As she's walking over towards me, she said something about radio. So I wrote it down before I wrote down the, the prophecy she gave me about dreams that ended up turning into dream ministry. And she said something about radio. And she looked at me and she started prophesying to me about being into dreams and visions. I kept that. I kind of kept it out of the mix. But I kept that in my heart, wondering if that was for me. I wrote a book on warning dreams. Uh, last year, about a year and a few months ago, and uh, you can purchase this out there, telling about prophetic warning dreams and how people are dying because we're not properly interpreting a dream and responding to a dream correctly, but we can be saved from your loved ones dying if you pay attention and if you do the right things with those. I ended up then um, going on radio shows around the country, mostly secular radio shows, I, had a, I was on a Catholic station with uh, some big priest guy, and there was a couple Christian ones, some right-wing ones, some left-wing stations, some psychic stations. It was really a blast. <laughs> it was great. And given enough time on the radio station, 
I would be able to explain that I am a follower of God through Christ Jesus. I believe there is a power in the universe that knows all and knows the future, and it is motivated by love. Many call that God. You know, I just talk more generically, and I give them the message. And uh, anyway, something about radio. Did all these radio interviews. Well, I just got it uh, secure in the last month and a half through the radio shows. Someone wanted me to come on their radio and have my own show. <laughs> Starting February 7th, I'll have my own radio show. You can go to my website, push the button on there for live, listen in live, and at 7 o'clock every Monday night, you can hear my radio show on dreams. To continue in your education of dreams, we have, we'll have live interviews, interviewing people with fantastic testimonies. We'll be able to have live call-ins, people with dreams, questions. You can email me. It's all set up. God's provided and has been providing financially for that cause. Praise the Lord. Why? It's part of the prophecy. Something about radio. Twelve years later, I could have let those words fall to the ground. Twelve years later, he adds that last little touch there, which it's never an end, but there it is, something about radio. In the last year, it's been all about radio. And I think now I'll be able to reach the masses. Amen? And get the word out. Be praying for that if you would. If, if the Lord puts that on your heart, please pray. Types of dreams. I'm going to first give you a, a overall uh, mention of what we can have. You can have dreams of revelation, knowledge and wisdom that come through dreams, divine knowledge and wisdom. You can know things that in the natural you could never know. Okay? Because most of them are about the future. But even about the current state. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it last night or whatever, but I came up to a friend of mine, took him out to eat, and I said, hey, you're, you had a girlfriend in high school named Kathy, didn't you? He goes, yeah, why? Because I saw her in my dream. Okay, why? And I asked him, I said, he's a Christian guy. I said, how come God showed me a picture of this girl in my dream, how, or in your dream, or in my dream? And it ended up, there were some uh, funky things going on between this guy and this gal, and I kind of addressed those. So we dealt with it. You're just the messenger. And if they stop, they don't want to talk to him or fine, whatever. But I knew I was supposed to talk to him about it. Well, I had to find out. Did he have a growth? But I don't even have to find out anymore. After 6,000 dreams, I knew he had a girlfriend. I didn't ask him if he had a girlfriend. I said, you had a girlfriend named Kathy when you were in high school, didn't you? He said, yes. Divine knowledge. You'll get this stuff. You'll get full first and last names of people. You get all kinds of things on people and on yourself. Uh, revelation, knowledge, wisdom, creative inventions, uh, instruction, direction in, for your life, correction, things that, I asked my son, Carrie, I said, what was the most powerful dream you ever had? I said, was it the nine, you know, September 11th dream, which was pretty powerful, it's in the book. He said, no, actually the most powerful things, I'm just going to tell you this, Dad, the most powerful things about the dreams God gives me is that each are the small adjustments I make by him guiding me. He'll be our guide. And I'm walking through my life, Dad. He'll give me a dream, and I make that little adjustment that he's giving through the revelation of that dream. And then here comes another dream, and I adjust. He said, that is the most powerful thing in my life with dreams. So he'll give you uh, direction and correction. Correct your path. He'll give you encouragement and confirmation. Okay? You need this confirmation. 
you, you, may, you may have something in your heart. You say, Lord, I need, you know what? You do need a witness. Jesus said it was established in the, in the law. It's a principle of nature. Uh, in courts, you need two or three witnesses to establish truth. And Jesus said that. The, the word says that. Two or three witnesses, something like establishes truth. So you need to witness. You'll need a dream and a vision sometimes. Sometimes you go, I haven't gotten a confirmation of this. The only way you're going to get one is by remembering a dream because it may only come through a dream. But if you discount dreams in your uh, repertoire of Christianity, you're going to miss that confirmation. Make sense? Okay. Prophecy. We can go on and on about prophecy. Warning dreams. Uh, that's my specialty for some reason. Or God's just given it to me to tell you about warning dreams, tell you you're blue in the face. Repetitive dreams. How many people have had repetitive dreams? Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Why do you have repetitive dreams? My explanation, and there's many explanations, or a few maybe, but the reason you mostly have repetitive dreams is you're not taking care of a situation God keeps coming back month after month, year after year, showing you this thing because you're not making the right adjustment. You're not getting the dream. You're not interpreting it because I can't interpret dreams. You're not thinking about it. And because you don't, you're not bearing fruit. You could be bearing more fruit in your life if you got, took care of that repetitive dream. My uh, son-in-law came home from Seattle. My daughter and son-in-law came home. He said, Craig, I've had a repetitive dream. I have it now every month. By the way, that's pretty serious. Same theme. Always a little different, but generally the same things. All right? Recognize that? He said, in my father's land, there's a helicopter that always crashes in my father's land. It sometimes is even a plane, and it crash lands. And he says, um, it happens every time. And I said, you know what? I want to be able to help you with that dream because I want to know what happens if that thing landed safely. I think, I discerned that that thing should land safely and I want to know what happens as a result of that. Who's in that? Because he felt he had to go rescue the people who were in the crash landing. Anyway, he came early before Christmas, a few, uh, 10 days or five days before Christmas, left a few days after. The, dream, the morning he left, he got up and said, Craig, I had a dream. And in the dream, there was the helicopter and it landed safely. And the people got out of the, the, the helicopter, got onto a bus, and the bus came out of the pasture into my father's house. And in my father's house, or they got out of the, van, uh, the bus in the parking lot, and then they were able to get dressed in these marathon outfits, and they went out and ran the race that was set before them. Talking about his destiny, talking about ministry that he has. He couldn't see it because he could not unlock some of the things. But he prayed about the night I talked about it, and... It went, I mean, it showed him the completeness of it, and believe me, that dream will go away. God, you got the picture, if, as long as you get the truth of that. And he'll show you maybe other things in the future about that destiny. He'll build on that, but your dreams, your repetitive dreams can go away. Make sense? Okay, we're going to take a break for, for lunch. For lunch.